All right, Andy, it looks like it looks like we are live here. We've got the podcast running to uh, anybody who is joining us. Um, we are doing a, uh, a segment of the mid-level show, and we're going to record it live. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and do our little intro here. Andy, uh, you ready to, to rock and roll? Dude, happy new year. Happy so new ready. year. First, first one of 2021. First one of 2021, and looks like we're in a party of two right now. This yes. is great. This is uh, great. If, you, if you are here with us, uh, uh, please say hello. Uh, we'd, love to, <laughs> we'd love to have no, some company. It's, 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 it's okay. lunchtime on a, on a snowy day. Um, ben so and I talk to each other all the time. So here we are again, and now recording it. You know what would be weird is if um, we had to do Facebook Lives in order to talk to each other and like catch up on, on life. I don't know if the audience knows right now just how funny you are. You are you are the funniest person I know, and 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 we're related to Kelly, and she is very funny. But we, we've got a so we've got a funny bunch, amazing. and 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 I'm you know I've gotten to to do this a lot with with uh, mom, and and now I get to do this with you. And uh, Sharon says hello, Sharon. Uh, thank you. Hey! For, thank you for being thank, here. Um, thank God, Sharon. Thank God. Yeah. Thank yes. you for saying okay. something. Thank you. Uh, anybody Thank you. else that's with us, say hello. Uh, <laughs> it, it keeps us going. Um, it so does. it sure does. The coffee, yes. Coffee, coffee, a little bit of lunch. Um, it maybe even lunch. you know. I, uh, I'm, I'm hoping maybe mom jumps on the Facebook and sees us. We'll we'll give a shout out to her. What did you eat for lunch today? I had a turkey and cheese sandwich. I've made a. A little bit of a resolution, and you'll know this because you know me really well. I'm trying not to eat out for lunch, so I'm trying to make a sandwich. And ladies and ladies and gentlemen, let's write this down in history right now. Ben not going out to eat. That will be the New Year's resolution to end all resolutions. Ben is a, probably a part-time shareholder at the Chipotle, as you tend to frequent there quite uh, frequently, or the pub subs at Publix. All the pub, uh, all the pub subs, all the pub subs. I love it, Ben. I think that's great. Why are you using hopefully organic uh, farm-raised turkey? Yes, um, actually, perfect, perfect. Hopefully, local cheese, um, and I hope that bread is thin-sliced and sourdough. Uh, actually. It is. It is sourdough. It is not uh, thin sliced, and uh, and you know why? I, I know all this stuff is because I've uh, I've been a <coughs> frequent frequent consumer of of your carb watches. Um, yep. So I know exactly what to shop for. And yes, you do. Yes, uh, you do. Man, we've got we've got some we've got some great people with us, Andy. I'm just going to say hello, Janet. Uh, yes. Thank you for for yes. hanging out, Leslie. Thank you for hanging out. Uh, yes. <laughs> just a Shelly. Hello, Shelly. Um, what we're, what we're doing people here, guys watch, is so people do watch this. Yeah, this is great. People watch guys. This is great guys. If, if you're watching, we please, you know, help Andy understand that people, people watch these things. What is this? Is this FaceTime? Is this YouTube? Where are we? What is happening? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's actually that's a great question we, we are a little bit of everywhere i know we're on youtube janet's on youtube uh we're on facebook as well um live right now and uh to catch everybody up we are filming and recording a um a a an episode of the mid-level show and so i'm gonna do just a, a quick little 
little intro here. And, and if you do have questions for Andy, um, be sure to be sure to ask. He's he's happy to uh, answer any any health questions that you guys might have, uh, or any questions about the hair product he uses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I do know this one. It's isn't it called Saints and Sailors? Yes, yes. Sailors. It's good. It runs in smooth. Can't tell. It doesn't have that glossed over finish. Yes. It's great. I it. Thank you. Plug for that. I used to use crew quite a bit. Now uh Saints and Sailors. Um, I have been told that my hair is a rat's nest. Um, thank you for that. Now I, I I'm assuming you've done some some phone consults this morning because of the the snow. So uh, people not everyone has been subject to to the yeah. what you got yeah. going on on top of your head. Thank God. No, 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 not yet. Not yet. Not yet. This is uh, as tame as it's going to be for now. I kind of look like a mix between Elvis and Bruno Mars. So uh, oh, don't worry. I'll be tanning. I'll there, be tanning. there you go. All right. Well, we're going to get into the show. And, and guys, yeah, uh, hang in here with us. And um, if you have any questions about this topic or, or any other health topic, we're happy to jump into that. And here we go. Welcome, everybody, to the 2021 first episode of the Mid-Level Show, and I am with uh, Andy Rogers, our Mid-Level up in the Tri-Cities, and Andy, how you doing, man? How's your new year? Uh, you know, Ben, I am relaxed. I'm working on something called The Secret, where you say it out loud and it comes back to you. I am calm. I am relaxed. I feel good. <laughs> My skin is luminous. <laughs> <laughs> the more you say it out loud, the more it comes back to you. There is science to that. I actually, so. you know, what's interesting, and uh, th- I, I hope you know people. Uh, we're recording this live. If you know the people who are watching, um, I'm really big into affirmations. I've I've done some. I've done I've done some research on it. I'm a believer. Um, and, ben, and- ben has all the books on him. Just go to that bookshelf. Ben's got the book. Yes. Go no further. Yes. And I do will. And I'm going to do this for the people watching on video because I showed you before and you made fun of me. But um, you know what, guys? That's good. That is uh, that is 2021 for you. Um, Here's here's 2021 for me. Okay. Halloween. (laughs) Welcome to 2021. That's like from the Santa Claus. Uh, Congratulations. You're now getting the Disney Channel. Yes. How do you how, do you know how to call 911? Sure, 911. <laughs> <laughs> uh we we are we are doing quotes from from the the fan favorite Santa Claus. I believe that was a a favorite um on one of our prompts for the 12 days of of Christmas. Um but today we're in the 8th day of January when we're recording this and we want to talk about mid-levels and and kind of what a mid-level is. Uh, so for the people out there watching or listening, uh, Andy, why don't you tell us a little bit about what a mid-level is? I I wanted to start on this subject, and I have a, I have a listen. Anybody who has met me knows I like to talk, so I have plenty of things to talk about. But with starting off, I uh, I, I thought it was important to. I think you should always know who you're seeing when you go see any sort of medical provider. I think it's important to know, hey, is this, uh, just so that you're fully aware who's in the uh, who's in the visit with you. But what I found is that do people care if they see a mid-level or do they prefer seeing a physician? Is there a difference between their outcomes, which, between patient satisfaction? I think knowledge is power. So I wanted to give everybody the audience uh 
uh, and our listeners just a little bit of history of what a mid-level is and what exactly that means. This is the mid-level show, so it makes sense. Um, oh, sorry, Ben. Are we still here? Uh, I, I, I can still see you. Uh, and if people right. who are watching live, let us know if, if we're going in and out here. Um, can you see me, Andy? I'm in. Perfect. Sorry, I was just going to call for that. So, so a mid-level is an extension. I want you to think about it. It is an extension of the physician, whether an MD or a DO. So we, I, I want you to imagine it like we are one of their arms that comes out and we're able to diagnose, treat, and prescribe. So a lot of them say, oh, it's the same thing as a doctor. Not technically. A doctor signs off on everything that we do. That's an interesting history. And when I say mid-level, there's another word for it called advanced practice practitioner, APPs. Those are kind of, that's a hospital term. So advanced practice practitioner is either a nurse practitioner and nurse practitioners have a very significant history as well. In addition to the physician assistants, which is what I am too. And at performance medicine, we have both MPs, MPAs that work with us and run offices. So we can do a lot of things. And uh, what happened was in the 1960s, there was a shortage of primary care physicians. So they came up with programs to accelerate medical providers who were not physicians. So nurses for nurse practitioner with RNs and corpsmen, naval corpsmen, created the physician assistant route. So they had all this hands-on experience without the medical school training. So they fast-tracked a program, usually around two to three-year program, of a fast-track medical school. And the original PA school was designed as a fra actually fast-track medical school using the medical model so they could get actual doctors into World War II faster. So they used that same program to implement it for physician assistants. So you have this unique blend, and it's morphed into this field now to where you have a unique background in the sciences, college degree, an RN for nurse practitioners, or a BSN with RN, uh, and then a science degree, I did biochemistry, with uh, hands-on training, medical assistant, EMT, uh, prior to getting into schooling. And what happens is that you come out with a master's degree, so it's a graduate level program. There are now doctorals of doctors of nurse practitioners. That's now a DMP in some cases. Physicians assistants hasn't gone that way. Still a master's level program, to where you're able to work in any scope of medicine. So really, anywhere you see a physician, you can see at a mid level or an advanced practice practitioner. The role of those providers differs based on specialties. So mid-levels are not running a surgery, though a lot of them are very skilled. They're first assist for those. Uh, but you, as you see here, if you've come seen me, if you've seen Fran, if you've seen Amber, if you've seen Kara, uh, we can run offices. And what happens is with these offices, like we have a performance medicine, um, uh, providers come in and sign off and do chart reviews. We're very lucky that dad is hands-on. So he reviews every chart that we do, which I think is really nice for you listeners. If you're patients of ours, you're getting your chart reviewed by two people, not one. So uh, we're able to use uh, Dr. Rogers, my dad, as a as our supervising physician for questions that we uh, need to run by him. And we work really, I think it's important to know too, as I'm talking a lot, but we work, this is, it's a team effort. It is a collaborative experience. There's a couple studies. One was done in 2013, 200 patients at an ER who had, uh, uh, they rated 
mid-levels versus physicians and their patient satisfaction, and it was equal. Uh, and same thing with 60 patients and a multiple sclerosis clinic, uh, equal with satisfaction and with care. It's not to say I don't, I, it's a tricky game because you don't want to diminish the level of a physician that training is intense and it's needed and it's long and it's for specific people. Uh, but there's just more than one way to treat. And I, the mid-level route works really well. Speaking of patient satisfaction, I'm just going to put this up there for you, Andy. Brian is uh, oh, Brian. <laughs> Brian is one of our favorites here. So thank you for saying that, Brian. And uh, and you know, and, and I, I think that's a you know a really a perfect um, segue, you know. And, and, and so, Brian, thank you. That's so not that made my day. Yeah, thank you, thank you for that, Brian. That was really uh, we, we really do appreciate. It. I know I know you know it means a lot to Andy, and I'm sure it means a lot to to Dr. Rogers as well. Oh. Um, you know, part of our model at Performance Medicine is is really built around the mid levels, hence the mid level show, and you know because we've decided to to go with you know multiple locations. So, you know, inevitably we need extensions of, of Dr. Rogers, which is what, you know, you and the other mid-levels are doing. Um, what I'm interested in is, is the scope of practice is, is the scope of practice for a mid-level different in all of the different, you know, areas of medicine, because I know like performance medicine, you can do everything that Dr. Rogers does. Correct. Yes. Um, it, it does differ per specialty. I can speak more to a primary care integrative health clinic to where everything dad does, we are equipped to do. Um, dad as a physician can write schedule one drugs and, and I cannot. So that does that. There's something called the DEA drug enforcement agency. Yeah. agency. Okay. So they, they delineate what mid-levels can write and prescribe. For example, what we do at the office, Adderall is a schedule two. So in the state of Tennessee, mid-levels can prescribe schedule twos. In the state of Georgia, they cannot. So if I were to work in Georgia, that line of scheduled drugs would not be permissible under my license in DEA. De becoming a mid-level does not give you a DEA you still have to apply for it. So not every mid-level has a DEA. I'm not even sure if every physician has a DEA. But I know physicians are able to do schedule ones while m no mid-level that I know is able to do that. I don't know if there's an, a special extension, but it's state. a lot of the requirements are state-specific. Uh, as far as different specialties, surgery is just a big one that comes to mind. You'll always have a surgeon in the room. Yep. Um, but uh, other clinics, too... Uh, other clinics are unique where physicians will be in the actual office, like on site with the physician assistant or with the nurse practitioner. So they'll be down the hall seeing patients while you're seeing patients as well. Um, and that kind of broadens up things, but it really, it depends on what you're doing. Well, one thing that's interesting to me is, is autonomy for one. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I might kind of lead you down a, a, a rabbit hole here, but, but, you know, for example, you're in an office by yourself right now. So Dr. Rogers is not there. He's in, so alone. He's, in he's, so alone. he's, he's in the Kingsport office. And what do you think about that versus a mid-level who is in the same office as their supervising physician? And, and then kind of talk about where you see autonomy going for mid-levels. I think autonomy, it's going to get more and more autonomous as healthcare needs to expand. We started in the 1960s because there was a shortage uh, of primary care physicians. People needed healthcare. Having mid-levels is great for medicine. 
it's great for medicine because it expands who you're, uh, it gives you access. I think access to healthcare is huge. Yep. We're not huge into insurance. I don't think insurance is access. I think access is who can lay hands on you, who can listen to you. That to me is access. And mid-levels uh, uh, make that uh, permissible and allowable. Uh, it also decreases the cost of healthcare too. Mid-levels, just candid mid-levels make less than physicians. And I, I, I hate to say it, rightfully so. It's less schooling, it's less debt. Um, so that makes sense to me that the cost is, so it, it, it lessens the burden of healthcare costs as well. Let, let me, you said, you know, what about less responsibility? Um, cause I know that when you're, can you talk about that? Cause, cause you're, you're obviously responsible as well, but so is Dr. Rogers for everyone you see. Um, and you mentioned that, you know, um, he and you, uh, both are signing off on every single chart. Can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. Uh, and in answer to your earlier question, do I like autonomy? Yes. I, this works well for what I want. It depends on the person with any employer employee relationship, you got to work well together. So we're lucky that we get to, well, Hey, I get to work with dad. How cool is that? We're in a, spe a special unique situation. I have plenty of, I had 60 classmates that now work with physicians and everyone has a different experience a, on what they're able to do. Cause the physician that signs off your chart dictates a lot of that. So it's not just, here's my practice. Here's how I'm going to do it. A lot of it is, what does your supervising physician who signs up on your charts and who is on your license say you can do and dictate? So that, so a lot of it is that relationship and that trust. Um, uh, and in answer to this question, you just said responsibility. Um, yeah, that's a good question. We're both liable. We're both responsible. Uh, you get a little bit of a backup. So that's not, and two, uh, we're unique again in that I'm being backed up by, you know, family who I trust and also is a the new common sense doctor. I love the way he practices. And um, uh, I he has 40 years of experience. That's yeah. a lot. That's a lot to piggyback on. So so uh, that responsibility, I, I think lie on both of us. But I love that there is as a patient, I feel great because then it's like, well, 7,000 people just reviewed my chart and nobody said any different. I think it's important too. That's a side note for patients. If you're not really comfortable and even in cut, that comes from me too. That's awesome. Like get second opinions. I think it's great to have said, if something is not working for you and there is another source of it, whether it comes from performance medicine or not, I think it's great to have second opinions, third opinions. Well, I, I, that that's where I think healthcare is going. And for the people you know watching and listening, like, I really think we're heading into a, to a place where there's going to be more and more options. And, and I think hopefully we're heading more towards transparency so that yeah. patients can make their, their own decisions. Uh, you know, we're huge believers in taking c control of your own health, kind of being your own doctor to a degree and using people like yourself, like, you know, the Ambers and the Karas and the Dr. Rogers as uh, guidance and as coaches um, because, right. you know, ultimately it's, it's really up to the, to the patient. And I want to go ahead and get a few questions in here because we've got some great ones coming in and yeah. this one, this hopefully one, I can answer them. Oh, geez. This is from Shelly and, and, and I'm just going to read it out loud so the people on the podcast can, can, uh, can listen to it. Uh, so if you have a son and son or daughter going into college, how would they decide which is the right route, doctor, MP or PA? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, Shelly, that's a good question. I was going to make a joke and I was going to say, go back to college, study theater first, 
And then do the science stuff as backup so that you can make A's in those classes, A's in theater, and then you psych it. I'm just kidding. That's my story. Uh, I, would I would tell them, uh, oh God, with college in general, that is money. So you want to make sure that whatever you're investing your money in, you're getting a return on investment. Mid-level is a great return on investment. And in DO, MD is a good return on investment depending on the specialty that you get. If you're, it, it depends on... Uh, the personality of, of your son or daughter or, or whoever's in that state. If I think if you're early on, like, I know I want to do medicine. I know I want to be a surgeon. I know I want to lead an ER. I know I want to intubate, though there's a lot of mid-levels that intubate. I want to do really the specialized stuff, and I'm ready at 21, 22. Then you're looking at a longer time frame to complete the the medical degree to complete your residency so you're not stuck later on i was coming into this at 27 so if i'm looking at being an endocrinologist and treating diabetes which is part of one of my plans that's 10 years down the road of a residency with medical school i wouldn't be making any of the money that i've spent on school uh and not that money is the most important thing, but my life would not begin another 10 years from now. So PS and MPs, the programs are two years, two to three years, and you're in practicing day one. There's There are a few residency programs for PAs, um, but it's not required to practice. So we can go in day one and start treating and your life kind of begins and it's on the job. If it were me, I'm very, I would I would tell them though, I had a very interesting glimpse of my 20s of looking at every possibility of what my life would be like. So I talked to a lot. Of, I worked in pharmaceuticals and I talked to people who had been in the industry for 20 years and I worked that job and saw what they looked like. And did I want to be that? I saw actors. I wanted to act. And I saw what actors were. I saw very famous people when I catered events who were unhappy. And so I thought, that's not what I want to be. And dad tells me I have a face for radio anyways. I'm kidding. So, but then I, then I talked to a lot of PAs and doctors. Most doctors are going to tell you to be a PA. And then there are some PAs who have been in it for a very long time who might say, well, you're never going to be the doctor. Are you okay with that? And that's important questions to consider. Yes. It's super fascinating. You know, um, how many, uh, doctors advise their, their, their own kids, as well as, you know, their oh, friends' yeah. kids to, to go into, uh, a PA situation, um, or, or an MP situation. It's really, it's just interesting to me. And I, I don't know exactly why, but, um, you're, you're not locked in. That's something important to consider Shelly, when you're counseling younger people, you're not locked in as a mid-level. If you want to change from integrative health to orthopedics, to surgery, to ER, to cardiology, there is a job for you. If you go through a cardiology residency, you're a cardiologist. You're not gonna. You're not gonna be an endocrinologist. You're not gonna do primary care. Well, you could probably do primary care. That, that you're stuck with your. You are. You are in it to win it. If you're an anesthesiologist, you're an anesthesiologist. So that kind of opens your playing field. But the uh, the payback is different. The the pay is different. The timing's different. The responsibility is different. And um, uh, they just have to consider and weigh those goals. Yeah, I'm really glad you said that about the, you know, being locked into a certain uh, arena in, in medicine sure. and the flexibility that comes with a lot of you, your, your classmates can can come out of school and try something and then go into something else. Whereas, Absolutely. Excuse me. Um, whereas if you if you are, you know, coming out of med school, um, it's totally different. And and I want to put this up because this is from Shelly as well. And, and I actually know you have firsthand experience with this uh, with your roommate. 
um, back in PA school. So go ahead and, and talk a little bit about that. She's talking about a, are there special programs for PAs for, you know, the Navy or I'm assuming any armed forces, uh, military. And to my knowledge, you still have to have the college degree. There still, there still requires a four-year degree uh, with certain science prerequisites. Um, though I will tell you that he is going to be so far ahead of, of his classmates, like so far ahead of his classmates as far as hands-on training. But as far as, uh, I think you can get, um, get it paid for Correct. If you, oh, we're talking about prerequisites going into a PA school. To my knowledge, there's not a track where you're not going through and having the, uh, the bachelor's first without going to the master's level. Um, got it. There are programs though, through, uh, my roommate, uh, went, uh, three people in our class went through the Naval program to get it paid for. So you end up working for the military, uh, and they'll pay for the entire schooling. Um, and two, even with being in the military first, they may pay for master's levels programs or bachelors in order to become that. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I was, I was assuming that, that what she meant was, was with, you know, getting it paid for the, the, the way I've seen it work in the past. But if, if you're talking about prerequisites, there's no like, there's no like easy bridge or anything like that, you know, skipping a bridge uh, without a bridge without the bachelor's, the bachelor's comes first. You're still going to need uh, those, those prerequisites. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really fascinating. And I think, you know, you know, obviously, um, we think, you know, the, the mid-levels, a lot of healthcare is going to be uh, performed by, by mid-levels. And, um, there's, there are some States where, um, nurse practitioners, not PAs yet, but nurse practitioners, I think in some States or maybe within the VA system are able to work completely autonomously in primary care without a physician signature. Yeah. And, and I think we're going to, we're going to see more of that. And I don't know, it'll obviously be state by state, like you said. Um, but I mean, we're, we're anticipating situations similar to that. And, and, and again, like you said earlier, I think, you know, access is the thing. And, uh, if, you know, I think, you know, and patients can, can attest to this is, you know, the quality of care is, is, you know, very similar. And, uh, and obviously that's, you know, I, I think I've told you this, there's, there's going to be, you know, not so good mid-levels and not so good doctors or, you know, just like with any profession. With any profession. And I did see a, with, a, and two, it's nice to know that it's just not anecdotal. It's through controlled trials that they're seeing these patient satisfaction scores. I did note one that said doctors and physicians were able to make quicker decisions that, that they had, they had, uh, more time with with patients or, or, or uh they spent less time with patients than mid-levels or mid-levels may have spent more time with patients there's twofold that i i find that to be true it's probably experience level but dad is a lot quicker than me he's a lot quicker than me i tend to like you know i like talking so i like spending time with patients and they did note that a, a longer visit like a 20-minute visit had more patient satisfaction it's interesting. That was through the, I think, the multiple sclerosis clinic that if 20 minutes was spent, there's higher patient satisfaction. Yeah. And, and I think that's actually, you know, a huge value add to, to, to patients. And, and I think, you know, this is just me and, you know, maybe you feel the same way. I think the patient might value the time more than the quick decision making, you know, like even if you come to the same conclusion, um, you say, you know, you make the same decision that someone else would have made in half the time. Um, 
I'm thinking that that patients really appreciate the the time spent, and 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 one way we've done it at Performance Medicine is is get rid of the middleman and you know and and do, right. do direct a patient with with no insurance. Um, but but I do I do think you know maybe doctors do make decisions a little faster, and they're good decisions. Um, but that time I think is valuable um, for for a lot from the patient's perspective. You have any more thoughts on that? No, I think that's good. We need we need. Trust me, we need plenty of doctors. We need really, really good, and uh, we need a lot of doctors, and we need, we're going to need a lot of mid-levels too. If you're looking at programs, like Shelly, this may be for you too, for who you're counseling, go to an accredited, go to one that's accredited and look at ones that have really great high percentage first-time pass rate on their boards. Can't practice if you don't pass your boards, and so you want to go to a school that's going to prepare you well for that. And she asked a, a good question as a follow-up: is you know which med level has more opportunities for growth? So I'm assuming she's meaning um, you know mid level ortho, or you know what's your thoughts on that? That you know I'm going to be biased because I I went to PA school. Um, I think there's plenty of opportunities for both. As I research more into the nurse practitionership, which I have less experience with, but uh, I know plenty of MPs, you pick routes that are specific to the specialty you're wanting to work in. There's, some, there's DMPs, there's FNPs for family pra- uh, nurse practitioners. Um, there's ones that work CRNAs that work specifically with anesthesia. So you get a little bit more specific. Uh, I, so I feel like once you, and they go under a nursing model, uh, and not a medical model for learning. Uh, so it, I think it's the background. If you are a, an R, if you have an RN, I think it's going to be quicker and easier for your time to pursue the, uh, the nurse practitionership. And if you have a bachelor's without an RN, you're going to have to go back and get your RN and then go that route for nurse practitionership. So it makes more sense to go PA. I think it's more about the background. I, I want to ask just from a patient perspective, you know, how would you advise people to kind of choose who they go see? Let's take performance medicine out of the, out of the picture here. Um, say you're just going to a family practice and like, do you, does the patient have control over whether or not they see the mid-level versus the doctor? Or is that something that's kind of random? Like you just see who's available that day. You, you sign up to see Dr. So-and-so and then you get, you know, um, someone else. Is that, is that under the patient's control at all? Uh, it, to my knowledge, it can be, but not always. You're, you'll probably have to wait. So I, I think it's up to random at first. Uh, first available, here's who's at our clinic. You're going to get the same treatment from this clinic anyways, no matter who sees you. But if you're looking for a specific person, you'll have to wait for blocks and they're scheduled to open up or if they're even accepting new patients. And I, it depends on the situation, if it's a one-off or if this is a chronic uh, chronic versus acute situation. I, I want to ask this because I, and then I'm, I'm going to let you go because I know you got to get back to seeing patients. Um, because I asked this to another, I asked this to uh, someone who was running a dental practice um, a couple of days ago, and I I was comparing the dentist to the dental hygienist as being similar to the doctor and the mid level. Mm-hmm. Is do you have any knowledge of that relationship, or is that completely out of your wheelhouse? Um, I have a knowledge with my dental hygienist, Gary Kay, the best. Yes. Ever, like I, she knows she could fix my teeth and be, and, and Dr. Uh, I, so I go to Martin dentistry, Dr. Martin, if you do not have a dentist, go there. They're, they're amazing. Them. I love, I, I'm a little, I go too much. I love it. But, uh, but too, 
Um, I, you know, I don't know enough about that. There may be differences with prescribing. Dentists can prescribe, and I'm not sure that dental hygienists can prescribe. So prescribing power may be different in diagnostics and treatment. But as far as whether or not I'm just as satisfied seeing my hygienist for my cleaning versus having a dentist in there, I'm just as satisfied. But that is also with my situation. I just, man, Martin Dentistry, whoo. They're the best. They're the best. And I got one more. We're going to do it. This is just some valuable feedback. So thank you for this, Sharon. Um, she was referring to the time. Uh, she says exactly time with patients makes us feel that we've, that we have had value impact, uh, input that we also, uh, provide before the final decision made for care. I think that's, that's really, that's really good feedback. Um, so thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. Hey, thank you. And you're completely right. I love that. I said that this morning with a patient. It's like, you're, I'm a guide. I can, I can tell you exactly what we've seen anecdotally, clinically. I can tell you studies. But I can't tell you how your body feels and only you know what's feeling exactly. And you're going to know when something hits right. And I think that um, as a as we become, this is not the only thing, but the good thing about technology, not the bad thing about technology, about having information at our fingertips is that now we have information at our fingertips. And we if we use it wisely, then I think that works really, really well. And also too, to your point, Sharon, knowing what labs look like, to me, it's very important. I like teaching. My mom's a teacher. I've always, I love teaching. So knowing what your labs look like, what normal looks like, and comparing it to how you feel, but I think you should know those numbers as well. So I try to do that in every room. And if I don't, then then call me on it. So you say, hey, what are exactly my numbers? Where is optimal based on y'all's experience? And what do I feel in comparison to those labs? When someone draws labs on you, it should be for a reason. Hey, this is routine. We're making sure things are done safely. Or, hey, this is a response to the treatment we've been doing. And this is when it's optimal. Or, hey, you feel a certain way. I know A, B, and C is going to tell me something about it. And just if your knowledge power on that too, then you can help us out. It only helps us. Yeah, you'd be shocked at the number of, um, and Andy, you can attest to this, but I've heard Dr. Rogers say it over and over again where, you know, a patient will come in and, and he or she is on, you know, eight medications and has no idea why they're no. on eight of them. And, and that to me, like I, that, that's where I see things going is, is patients are going to have, you know, they're going to be way more educated and they're, they're really going to start to collaborate with, with their provider and, and with their help, which I think is the best model, you know, where it is, it's a partnership. It's not, you know, Andy's just, talking to somebody about telling them what to do. It's, it's a, it's a real partnership. It's a real, you know, coach like situation. And, and, um, and I'm hoping that like Shelly says, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, more and more patients take control of their own health and, and really, you know, seek out things, you know, performance medicine or not, you know, uh, get second opinions, like you said, and, and really, you know, you have to do what's best for you. And, um, so anyways, we're gonna, we're gonna wrap up there guys. Um, Andy, Thank you so much for today. Uh, this, was a, this was a wonderful first episode of the Mid-Level Show in 2021. I'm excited about the Mid-Level Show and where that's heading. Um, and, and guys, thank you so much for, for joining us, those in the comments. Um, and uh, we're going to wrap up. Andy, any last words? Uh, hey, just, just love on your Mid-Level. Love on them. These are good people. Love, love on your doctors too. Yeah. <laughs> make, make, make dad's head a little bit bigger than it already is. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, thanks for having me, bro. G- great job. L- look at you on the podcast. Like just killing it. All right, guys. Thanks, Andy. <laughs> Y'all have Bye. a good one. Okay. See everybody in the comments.
All right, we're going to wrap up. Um, to answer uh, your question, Shelly, uh, he did not uh, go to uh, EMT school. Um, he went to PA school in Atlanta in Mercer. Um, I don't. He was in. He he did do training as a as an MA um, while he was uh, getting all his his um, prerequisites for. Uh, to get into PA school, uh, but I don't think he went to EMT school. Uh, Linda, hello. Thank you for being here. Uh, I'm going to wrap up, guys. This has been a, a live recording of the the mid-level show. I'm so, like, humbled that you guys would, would hang out with us and kind of watch us do that live. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, that full episode will be up on the podcast uh, here shortly, uh, as well as YouTube. Um, if you have any, if you want anything that you you would like us to touch on more of, um, especially in the year 2021, uh, please let us know. Um, shoot us a message, comment below. Uh, we're trying to make this the year of of really educating patients and and um, giving out as much. Uh, free information as possible so that you guys can make the best decisions uh, for your own health. Um, if you if you aren't signed up for Performance Weekly, please do that. That's where we're putting out all of our best information. That's on our website, performancemedicine.net, uh, as well as, um, gosh, Performance Medicine Audio is just about everywhere. So check out Performance Medicine Audio. Love you guys. Uh, I will see you guys later. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode of the podcast. Uh, please share the podcast with your friends. And if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe. Uh, we will see you guys next time.